So welcome to Nitcast, the official podcast of NIT Kurukshetra Alumni Association, where we bring your inspiring stories and insights from our accomplished alumni. Join us as we explore the journeys of our alumni, their contribution to their respective fields, and let's start learning from the experiences of the industry leaders. We are excited to have with us today, Mr. Mohit Gupta. He is the president and CEO of Vitrana. He is a highly accomplished business leader with 19 years of global experience in managing international business in the IT field. He has expertise in various areas such as product development, consulting, cloud services, and much more. Mr. Gupta's major accomplishments include establishing profitable consulting practices and cloud operations, managing global delivery for a significant amount and spurheading transitions for prominent organizations. He has extensive experience in the health sciences, BFSI and manufacturing industries and with international exposure in multiple countries. We are thrilled to have him here today as he is going to share his experiences and insights with us. Stay tuned for an enlightening conversation as we uncover the incredible journey and experiences of Mr. Mohit Gupta. Let's give a warm welcome to him. We welcome you, sir, and it's great to have you. So without further delay, let's get started. Sir, tell us about your childhood and where you come from. Uh, I come from uh, the state of Haryana. Uh, Born and brought up in Uttar Pradesh in NCR, in a city called Ghazibad. And sir, so about your childhood? Alright, so uh, 47 years of my upbringing uh, with an early age, uh, tenure of 9 years were in a small city town called Nirvana in Haryana. And then I moved into a city called Ghazibad in Uttar Pradesh. Since then, I am based out of here with my professional journey in between taking me around the world. Uh, but largely, my base had remained to be in Ghazibad. Can you kindly share some insights about your educational background? Additional, could you explain the significance of NIT Kuruchitra in it? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, from an education perspective, I am a graduate, a B.Tech from um, NIT Kurukshetra, passed out in 1997. Uh, with the specialization in the field of mechanical engineering. Um, since then, um, 23 years, there have been multiple things uh, which my profession commanded for and I keep opting for it. There have been some remote diplomas, on-site diplomas, post-graduation, short stints, which I have assembled as part of uh, my professional journey. Uh, but primarily, I remained a graduate from NIT Kruikshet. Sir, was mechanical your choice or it is your rank that made you choose it? And were there many exams that you tried cracking or was uh, engineering your choice? Oh, so engineering was my choice because uh, I think I was asked from my family that I need to be an engineer or a doctor. I flunked in class 10th in biology, so medical could not be my first choice. So engineering became the only choice. Now, uh, my family did have a lot of background in industries, so they did had given me a thought process about choosing mechanical as my preferred choice. Uh, but they were 
more uh, interested in me getting into an engineering program rather than uh, a specific field. Till class 12th, when I appeared for the exam, I had no choices. I did heard a lot about computers, which was taking a lot of momentum at that point of time. But I had never had a chance even to sit in front of the computer till class 12th. So I didn't know if it was the right choice or not. But then I have seen machines around me. So I kind of decided that if I get mechanical, that will be my first choice. Okay, so you had a thought in mind that you want mechanical and you got it. So why did you choose NIT Kurukshetra for doing mechanical? Oh, so first of all, uh, again, NIT Kurukshetra didn't came up as a choice. Uh, like most of us, I had appeared in multiple entrance examinations, including IITs, uh, uh, what we call used to have MNREC exam, which is part and parcel of uh, getting admission into NITs across India. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a lot of ex- uh, colleges in South India, in Maharashtra. So they were all entrance exams. Right? I appeared in all of them and I got the rank uh, in I think majority of them. Uh, but then uh, not where I could get the place of my choice and the branch of my choice. So the place of choice was not Kurukshetra or anything else, but it's North India. Okay. So when it is North India, which college offered me mechanical became my choice. So when the counseling was happening, I was offered the last seat in NIT Kurukshetra. And NIT Kurukshetra was also kind of a hometown for my father because he was a professor in Kurukshetra University. So it became like, you know, back to home kind of a stuff. So Kurukshetra became a choice and I got the last seat of mechanical in Kurukshetra. Why did you choose North India? Like, why not South India? Students want to run away from home when they get into college. So just think it like this that. Uh, the era you were talking about is early 1990s. Yeah. Uh, we were all afraid of South India at that time. South India was a different world. We have ne- not seen South India anywhere. Uh, the connectivity was a problem. It was a far off place. Language, food, everything was a question mark. So there was always a fear factor uh, which used to exist at that time. And a lot of decisions in our age at that time were more taken from your parents than you. So the mm. decision was that you need to stay near us, we can manage things. And second, of course, was uh, the cost factor. Um, we, we had very limited resources to pick from and uh, picking up a, a private college or a college far off probably will add to the cost of education. So we decided mm. something nearby and more important, it's fair my father had in greens of his experience. So that let us pick up the uh, the choice as Kurukshetra. Okay. What was the like, first thing that you did after getting mechanical? You got your dream mechanical. So what skills you looked forward to learning in the course of four years during the college? Oh, I think the first thing first was uh, once you get into an IT, you will get a job. Okay. <laughs> So it was kind of an insurance that the parents used to tell us and we used to give with that dream that oh now our, our life is sorted, uh, some good company will pick us up. Yeah. Engineering means a job. I think that's the perspective with which we all were groomed as kids and 
the career is secured so we were very happy for first few months tough to digest that we are into a government college now uh, and it was a dream come true before it got shattered when you get into the college when the ragging starts <laughs> yeah right. so i think uh, other than that uh, it was fun time we were on this on the cloud 9 uh, nothing used to come so easily to us uh, we were like having a highest level of ego as if we have achieved the world so we were in a different world the feeling was in feeling of having won something crazily big right but then uh, reality sets in uh, we were back into the college education program got kicked in i think one of the things which our seniors used to tell now is what we used to start expecting what will happen because yeah. our parents couldn't tell what will happen in the college because they were not engineers now who can tell us it's a senior so seniors used to tell us ghanta kuch nahi milega padke finish off your 3 years and the fourth year companies will come score decently well you will get picked up so okay. this was the message that came up in the early days but there were very few in the group right not me specifically but others who had a passion about picking up an es exam or as exam or going for a post graduation i could see them really really serious with the education they were into and they had a lot of clarity about what will come next we yeah. till we got into the next semester we never knew which subject will come for us so now that we have syllabus in hand we know up to 8 semester what's going on never had any four year program awarded to us which says year 1 year 2 year 3 year 4 nothing of that type and neither we were interested to know from our side whatever used to come we used to pick up gladly and used to keep moving forward that's actually good thing surprises are like better than i think it ke- it kept us carefree it kept us positive it kept us without depression in our years we have never heard of young children looking for societal tendencies uh, all this mm-hmm. happening because there are too much of expectations right from what i want versus what i'm getting but here in this era uh, i think it was totally missing there were no expectations because our seniors have explained us ghanta kuch nahi rakha padke you will get a job and once you are in the job you are all settled mm-hmm. right so our aspirations were not about a package of 6 lakhs or 10 lakhs or 20 lakhs we were told that the package starts at 3000 rupees and you may get up to 10000 rupees and if you get 10000 rupees you are ambani's of the world right so very minuscule expectations there were no mobile phones to buy right there were no malls and no leds and lcds to invest in so the aspirations were small and so do the paycheck hence it was a, a wonderful uh, uh, experience of a journey of low expectations uh, and low aspirations sir how did you recognize your strength and map your career profile what preparation did you undertake before starting i think this is something which is very critical for everyone to understand very early into the life cycle i have seen this in my professional career even today right everyone wants to be a manager everyone wants to think that they can be a ceo they can be a cxo in no time right i think the aspirations that we are building without understanding who we are actually is very 
sobering for most of the people because they feel having not attained what they wanted in their lives the challenge is that the god has gifted all of us with some inner strengths okay if we do not play on our inner strengths we are going to lose out in our professional and personal life i think one thing i learned was that uh, i need to pick up something which is uh, which is more financially enabled where i can use my financial sense and communications i think these are the areas i picked up were helping me in crafting my journey in the in the college days now uh, the good thing happened uh, first i was afraid of picking a technology job hence i didn't apply for the jobs in the technology space i restricted to my core field uh, which was mechanical and the dream company there was larsen and tubro limited and i think the second good thing that happened was with that lady her name was shama who was part of that interview which she took along with the uh, uh, along with the other recruiters who have come from larsen and tubro where she pointed me out that your strength lies in marketing and not anything else i think uh, i was able to corroborate what she was saying um, i was able to corroborate uh, some of my inner strengths in that perspective and i identified that as my area of journey now what it brought me in it brought me in into similar roles it brought me in into roles where uh, i was willing to take risks uh i was willing to take risks with no pay packages for years i was willing uh to go around seeking funding support because i could sell the concept right all this started helping me in drafting my career but again i repeat here it is all about you identifying your core strength now in this there is one example i'd like to quote you are an engineer right and uh, being an engineer there are a lot of soft skills which you come up with okay yes uh not every engineer will be sharp uh to become a very good developer okay not every engineer will be a great financial person not every engineer will be an ai ml expert right yes. but the problem is that all of us tend to run behind something which is a craze today right irrespective of who we are and that's where we falter and i would highly recommend that identifying that strength as early as possible uh, is the right way to build your professional road map yes today students are looking for establishing an impact on the society in a very early stage and they go on to making a startup and venture i got a question yeah i definitely had a very early plunge into my uh, entrepreneurial life very early plunge okay so as i said within a year of me completing my first year of training at larsen and tubro limited i was able to join a startup right a startup of four people with no funding support mm-hmm. i was offered a 10% stake in the company the only investment i made was i i decided not to pick up a salary from that venture so as part of that i was given a stake in that company and we were developing a reverse auction portal which was a craze of 9899 because the technology boom 
which was coming up was all built around internet right and e-commerce was the the keyword at that time and uh, we were the early investors with that concept i think that venture failed within 15 months um, but it gave a hell lot of a strength to us as to who we are and what we can achieve we cannot achieve in this process there were two good things happened i came in contact with shiv nadir uh, who is the scl founder and the chairman right um, i came in contact with uh, atul bhargava who was a big shot with maruti uh, he is now retired but these people had a lot of influence in my life uh because uh, uh what we could we got a chance to understand from them was that uh a startup unless thought through very carefully uh for its for its outputs and uh for its financial stability is bound to fail a startup just with an idea has no bearing unless it has a right ecosystem to deliver the right output i think that learning got well embedded in me very early into my life right and it helped me tremendously in my professional journey even though i remained in the job but i was very quickly able to rise up the curve and got into managerial positions or cxo positions um, in four years of my journey so i think uh, it's all about your appreciation about the business dynamics and your inner strengths to choose the right uh, line of operations for you and you sticking to that role and doing well in it not that everyone should run for aiml every should run for mbas from ahmedabad or everyone should run from pgs from foreign universities i think we need to first find out what i am good at so earlier transition for the manager role sets him apart as a inspiration for aspiring students however for fresher the likelihood of obtaining a manager role might be challenging could you please share your journey how you managed to make that shift successfully what was the risk involved for it good question so i think very very important aspect uh, about being a good manager right uh, is to have a very good understanding about your team right will you be able to command respect from your team okay if you are forced as a manager you will never be a successful manager and i think there is a perception our industry has right? i am 3 years 5 years old now in the industry i should be a tech lead or a lead another two years i should become an assistant manager another three years i should become a manager i think this hierarchical journey or a mindset that age gives you that responsibility i think is totally inappropriate i think it is your personal empathy and your personal interactive capabilities which is required for a strong managerial position other than specialization in the domain in which you are servicing so uh, i was a avid reader so i had learned a lot about healthcare about uh, financial management systems very early into my career 
that helped me interact for complex strategic discussions and i was picked up by my managers from the crowd that this person is able to interact so fluently and is able to express his thoughts so clearly that we should start bringing him into more strategic discussions and strategic roles i think the exhibit of your domain knowledge your communication skills your peer management gives you that leverage to be identified as a leader or a manager if you do not exhibit these characteristics the time will definitely not offer you these opportunities you have to have that knack to have them as your core strengths as you mentioned step establishing relationship with your team member is crucial what measure do you take to establish and sustain this relationship with your team members i think uh, you need to be selfless here guys uh, the good thing to be a good manager is that you have pain for your people uh, the day a manager can pay more to the people working under him than his salary i think if the day you will get that strength in yourself that you stop comparing what you are earning with your peers and uh, with your juniors in your team i think uh, you will start understanding that what what that value system is all about actually a, a manager if you look at it is more of a parenthood okay Uh, yeah. it it is all about sacrifices uh, it is all about you being always in the forefront you cannot be a manager when your team is working 12 hours and you are back to your home in 6 hours of your work life okay if they are working for 12 hours you have to be there for 16 hours and more important is you should be a a very very patient person okay if you have a tendency to lose calm if you cannot resolve aggressive behaviors if you cannot guide a meeting for an outcome because when you work with desperate teams located at different locations how do you make them arrive at a conclusion right those parameters are very very critical and crucial for someone to exhibit a very important characteristic of being a great leader yes being a manager also means that you have to be there with your team whenever they need so in today's fast paced world achieving this work life balance is an ever elusive goal for many so do you believe that achieving work work life balance is possible i think work life balance definition is very different for individuals okay uh and i think we are generalizing this statement and unfortunately industry is generalizing it as such a work life balance can still be called correct if someone has to slog for a month and then can get a chance to take an off for two weeks a right example is merchant navy right in merchant navy you can be on the ship for six months but you can then have a gala time when you are on the <laughs> on the land right you have a wonderful time but you can't say that your work your life has not done well for 6 months when you were away from the ship right you have air hostesses or pilots who have a 18 days flight journey and then 12 days of continuous vacations where they can move around do everything in their life or uh, there are people who who are the day lovers who just work in the night and then can 
enjoy their times in the morning so i think there is a definition that you need to first define for yourself okay now i think the work life balance has more to do with your time management capabilities yes all the, all the jobs will command hard work there is no shortcut to it if the work life balance has a definition that i would like to work for 8 hours then 8 hour means 8 hours of work 8 hour doesn't mean that you take a 2 hours of tea break with your friends 1 hours of smoke break and 1 and a half hours on facebook and whatsapp chats and then 9 to 5 the day closes and then you say uh, you are making me work after 5 pm till 11 to deliver the work the challenge is that you have screwed your 8 hours which was preciously made available to you by the by the office or the job that you were in or a business you are in but you didn't do anything in that window i think mm-hmm. it's all about focused consumption of your sliced time windows in the right way which can make you earn your perfect work life balance and like you command a personal time when you are in need right there will always be times when the job commands that you should be on the job so if you have to stretch out for a few days or few weeks it doesn't mean that you are screwing up your work life balance it's about balancing job when the job needs you and balancing personal life when the personal life needs you if that is what we can carve out for ourselves uh, i think in any position we will always be able to be a successful balanced person now there is one caveat one last caveat to it okay there are certain roles and positions if you really want to go and drive in the journey uh there is some sense of uh, loss that you will always incur um when uh, you look at your personal life if you start a new venture right four five years of your new venture will be very very tiring say suppose you you got to settle in that window uh, i'm sure your family life will suffer right you have no choice right because you have chosen uh, a decision on the professional front but then once you are settled uh, there are ways and means you can recuperate that lost time so while you have imbalanced it for a year or few years there will always be opportunities to balance it back i think let's rework it in our minds what exactly the work life balance means for us and based on that choose the right profession so as a measure of success varies for every individual we all wish to land up with a dream job in a dream company or many career entrepreneurial per- perspective but we remain confused in our major success both with respect of dream job or a entrepreneurial venture according to your perspective how do you define the major success i think major success is uh, is a very very important aspirational uh, mindset okay uh, it's all about what your aspirations are so for a small kid right standing up and walking when he is learning to walk is uh, is a dream come true what they have achieved you don't know the level of happiness that the kid has right when he starts walking i cannot explain you the the level of satisfaction i had when i got my first paycheck of 7300 rupees 
what that meant meant to me uh, when i was holding that money in my account right so i think i was out of the world um, i think i was more richer than the richest person of the world so i, I think the success definition you need to define for yourself that what you will recognize as a true success okay uh i think what i have done for myself and i am not a yogi to guide anyone to write your individual success stories but i can tell you that for me the success was at all the points uh that i am recognized for what i am doing right i have kept in mind that any role you put me in someone should come and tell me that you have done the job and this work would not have happened if you would not have been there i think this very statement always had given me a very very positive momentum in my life okay the second aspect about success story uh while being in the job uh, the realization that uh, i had built up a right ecosystem for me uh and uh i wanted to use that ecosystem to do something on my own okay and the day of registering my own company registration of my company not setting up the setup just that i got a paper which said that mohit gupta you are the founder of a company which has zero capital which has zero employees but it has been created as an entity i think i felt on that day that all my dreams have come true okay because there was a strength that always was carrying in myself that if nothing works i still have enough strength to earn to take care of my family right not this anything else because what one should do to define a success for itself is get rid of the egos i think that's the biggest hurdle in being accepting that you are successful okay. so if i do not have an ego i really don't mind that i was at a position a and if i have to retract and go back on the same level i can take position b lower than position a it doesn't matter if you are open it is called risk taking capacity with zero ego right that asset if you can build you can do wonders in your professional life and in your entrepreneurial life the moment ego resides in you right there is all the high probability that you will screw up your investments or relationships that you will be cajoling in years of your active life sir were there times when you thought of going back to the corporate life after entering into entrepreneurial world i think uh, i was very clear that uh, i will never like to do that there were times when uh, the company was kicked in uh, i had a partner uh, who was from uh, the similar world of corporate era and who also had certain ambitions but i realized that he was not a big risk taker uh, but i thought that i would be able to carry him along with me right and within 2 months of kicking off this venture he left us and i was left all alone venturing to figure out how and what i will do because i knew that person is outside us 
sorry outside india and uh, will be helping us out in marketing and sales and will take care a lot of pressure in terms of repositioning the company in the right market segments that strength was left out uh, within 2 months of the operation so i was worried at that time did i did the right job or right thing or not i think but then uh, uh, while i was driving back on the day when i received his call that he's walking out uh, i i was contemplating that what was it that made me start this entrepreneurial journey was it that person who has left me or it is it was my passion or desire to do something on my own so i think uh, i realized that i never did it did it because that person was with me so if that person is not with me how does it make a difference and yes. since and since then i think i have never uh, uh, looked back into my decision of uh, tracing back the corporate world if the need be uh, and um, i always have started looking forward that if this venture doesn't work then what next instead of if this doesn't work which job i need what was the first milestone that you cracked in your venture what was that first thing that gave you a kick that yes you have cracked it i think as i just told you that my biggest success was the day i registered the company now came the journey right and it's a very important aspect of an entrepreneur journey entrepreneurship cannot be done alone it needs a team right uh now putting a right team together is not a easy job because you need right minded people who can think like you and at least are under your command to a certain extent because you will not have a chance to have too many divergent thoughts in the early stages of the company as you grow up i think divergence is in essence to help you grow better and broader but in the early stage of your entrepreneurial journey everyone having a convergent view is very very important and i think for me getting few of my co-founders on boarded was the first milestone where i knew that this journey is going to have a positive outcome because having the right set of people who can take up the complex challenges of this journey were with you we have witnessed a higher number of startup failures than success could you shed some lights on the reason behind this trend as the managing director and ceo of vitrana your insights would be valuable i think it's a very valid point and it it will hold true always okay and the reason is that most of the ventures in recent days uh, uh are coming up not because of a passion or a strategy but because of a dream of holding a unicorn there are some success stories that we read in and around us very few there are not many maybe 10 20 30 40 success stories which makes us believe that uh um it is very easy to earn money right yeah. and the definition of earning money is unfortunately evaluations and not profits yes yes and the reasons why organizations fail is because of this fundamental glitch that a venture should always be profitable right if you drive a venture on the concept of evaluation that 
you will look for an evaluator to pay you the money who will buy you and you will be out of that setup i think that's the worst way of starting any new entrepreneurial journey it's a short lived concept this con- concept cannot hold for long okay now whether it was 2000 or it was 2018 or 19 when the covid hits and the similarity in these years when the investments and evaluations were crazy was all driven from the fact that free money was flowing into the capital market because there was a recession in the industry the governments had reduced the uh, interest rates and the money was just being pumped into the business market at zero at zero interest rates and that flow of money made people just spend crazy and the evaluations soared uh and because of that reason i think uh, uh in that cycle uh in that flow uh, so many ventures have kicked in right and they all have failed they never have defined the profitability matrix for their operations they always had thought that i leave it to the person who will buy me my job is somehow create uh, a story around what i am doing uh, some advertisement uh, some some um, facebook presence some social media buzz and someone will pick me up at no fundamentals on a on a ppt and this is happening right but then these number of transactions are hardly 100 entrepreneurial journey is about creating a substance a substance which adds value into the system right if your mechanism is a showbiz it's a different world but if that mechanism is a substance then the journey will its will have its own pace and it will have its own growth and it will have its own profit and profit will have its valuations this is the reason why 99% of the startup ventures fail because they lack substance in your opinion what would be the optimal approach to develop your career establishing a startup or pursuing a corporate path considering you are one year experience with the startup after completing your graduate degree from nid college etc how has it influenced your perspective on this matter i think again uh, something very interesting so both worlds are amazing right there is uh, no second thoughts about it okay and in both worlds there is a learning curve so it is about your individual capability of determining who you are is important so if you want to be an entrepreneur first and the foremost there are few fundamental thumb rules you need to follow thumb rule number 1 you should be highly empathetic empathy is key because you need to drive people along with you you should be a people's man you should be able to convince people to a vision you should have uh, a clarity of thoughts that how people will stick to you and why right if you can do that then only look for an entrepreneurial journey second i think you should have something substantial where you can work out the capital requirements for the business okay uh you will be among the lucky 0.0001% people if a ppt can get you some seed funding okay 
and that too in the uh, in the industry which is primarily driven by the digital world right but still the digital world is less than 5% of the global gdp right 95% world is still the the old world the old era so ventures in the old era will always require capital okay digital space never gets to the banking firms it will always get to the private equity firms so second element is how will you arrange for the funding or the or the capital requirement for your venture third do you have a team because if you don't have a team you cannot build an organization or you you need people right and when you will have people who have the same acumen as you because you are bringing them with you on day one the challenge is how to carry these people along with you because they are smart people why can't they start their own venture so there is something that you have a little different from these people where you are able to cobble them together keep them hooked and drive for a common vision i think identification of the right partners and co-founders and key professionals is the third most important element for you to make a successful entrepreneurial journey okay so if you are able to do these three things you should at any age doesn't make a difference can look for taking a plunge coming back to the corporate world right is it the right choice of course it's the right choice always it will be a right choice right because you are trying to get into a predefined system someone has done the hard work what you are thinking is that i want to be part of that journey and probably do not have all the right guts of those three thumb rules of an entrepreneurial journey i will get into the system learn from the system i may still have an opportunity to go for an entrepreneurial path later on or build further whatever is required within the same corporate position right so i think in the corporate world still identifying who you are is important do not follow what we call a bhed chart right everyone eyeing for the same thing you need to have validation engineers in the industry you will have manufacturing roles you will have product specialists you will have finance people in the market space so do not just run that everything is what is the hottest bread today i do without knowing whether you can do it or not and in the corporate world remember one thing when you will become expensive you will be questioned right if someone is paying you 5 lakh rupees you may not be questioned but if someone decides to pay you 20 lakh rupees they will question right you cannot be a backbencher in the corporate world and still earn 20 lakhs you will get identified and you will be punished for not delivering the value of 20 lakhs so remember one thing evaluate yourself every time that does your pay package is in line with your true strength not what you exhibit but what you know internally you are because you know that you are not a good developer but you are trying to cover it up you can cover it up for few months but when you get exposed you will have a bad time
sir do you believe in hiring super smart people or you hire people way less smarter than you i think first thing i shared with you that if you have to be an entrepreneur right you need people who can do better than you because that's the first principle that you do not have an ego and you are not comparing yourself with others because in entrepreneurial journey or or in a managerial journey right you are here to manage and give results and yes. in results you need people with the right skill sets right the word here is right skill sets the word here is not smart or super smart the smart or super smart is not an iq test being executed here a manager or an entrepreneur will find the right person with the right skill set for a right cost okay if i do not get a right person at a right cost i will never hire that person okay so no one in the industry who is a manager or is a hiring consultant looks for a definition called super smart or smart or average okay second when i do a program or a project or i create a company mm-hmm. i have multiple roles to deliver okay if you are carrying a perception that an artificial intelligence architect is super smart mm-hmm. and a validation manager is a dumbo then i think your understanding is terribly wrong for every role there is a maturity required and a skill set required a yes. validation engineer's knack to find out bugs is very different from uh, a developer who is very sharp in writing complex algorithms both have the skill sets but they are different skill sets okay if someone in an airline industry says a pilot is smarter than an air hostess i think it is an inappropriate statement because that empathy required to keep yourself driving in that in, in your airway gallery for hours standing and serving the customer and taking their pain is a very different skill set than someone sitting in the cockpit handling the weather and the challenges that is posing in front of him in driving the pilot piloting that plane right so we hire right people with the right skills at the right cost to make a successful business have you observed any disparities between the startup during the 90s and the present days what this disparities according to you startups have grown over the years there is no second thoughts about that right the concept of the startup is also evolved the good news is that um, the digitization startups as well as the old market startups have their presence in the industry today okay uh i think the world is all about doing things better okay uh better using a software or better using a hardware i think you need both the good news is that uh, the ecosystem is equally uh, working towards now building a right mix of the soft space along with 
the brick and mortar space. I think both areas are now equally giving the attention and they both are excelling. Okay. Uh, and I think this is very much required. So you have startups today, hundreds of them feeding the agriculture industry. You have startups feeding the food processing industry. Right? You have startups doing great job in the automobile industry. You have startups who have done wonderful job in tourism industry, in the hotel industry, right? So I think the good news is that the startups bandwidth is expanding beyond a e-market niche, right? I think that's the beauty of what has changed between 2000 and say 2020. That's one part of it, right? The second part of it. There's another good news that uh, there is a sudden realization that uh, EBITDA, which is profits, right, mm -hmm. are very crucial for the business. So organizations have to focus early into formulating the right outcomes and the right success stories. I think that change is going to help the new startups filter out the bad stories very early without wasting precious dollars. And only the good startups will continue their journey and will become successful unicorns. The failure rates are going to go down if the control on the EBITDAs are picked up very early into the life cycle. And I think I'm seeing that transformation now. Sir, COVID has brought focus on work from home models. So how effective they are and what challenges are associated with this new trend? I think this is a very, very challenging times for the industry. Um, I think everyone initially said that uh, work from home will become the norm. You must have seen that uh, New York hotels were all shutting down. There were no more living. People moved out to Florida or sea beaches they were working with. Uh, people took recruits in their old hometowns and they moved away from the common workspace. I think all this was good. Uh, but then you realize that in this process, there was a rampant, rampant hiring happening in the industry. Actually, the hiring was not because the demand was created. The hiring happened because the productivity was lost. And as soon as things normalized, uh, the free flow of the capital from the government stopped. Right? Now the industry was left to fend themselves and they have to suddenly bear the additional costs they have incurred over the last two years, which was not because they were growing, but because they were producing less productively. Okay. Uh, in this whole process of two years, uh, there were many psychological and social changes which came into the industry. Uh, the work-life balance actually deteriorated. Uh, couples spend more time together with them and they started understanding and realizing too many things which they should not. There is a requirement for a right balance to happen uh, and that balance was lost. The social ethos uh, about collaborating with your peers uh, was going down the drains. People lost patience, uh, the trainings of uh, newcomers, right? 
the cross training programs the mentor mentee relationships they all were ground rings you know that half of the innovations and problem resolutions uh, in the software industry or in other industries actually happen over a cup of tea when you are standing in the canteen uh, or taking a smoke out with your friends downstairs what you discuss there actually gives you some great ideas you have taken away all those benefits out of the system absolutely right now i think industry is trying to bring its people back into the offices they are pushing lot of they are fighting lot of resistance uh, and uh, i think some hard decisions will be taken by the industry while uh, there is a calibrated move we all are taking at this point of time while some companies have already mandated it at least 3 days a week is what you need to do but over a period of time i think uh, the time will come when everyone will be back in offices for a better output uh, you cannot have work from home as a continuous process and remember one more thing this work from home is purely purely for the digital space the brick and mortar industry still runs work from office right you cannot pilot uh, a passenger jet with a pilot working from home right so you, uh, that person will never come and ask you right you will not have a doctor telling you that i will operate sitting from home right so i think uh, we have become what we call as spoiled brats of the software industry we consider ourselves as privileged classes right that we are something very unique and very different from the rest of the world hence we have a special category where we should be awarded many privileges i think that transaction is short lived and this work from home probably uh, will mature into more uh, work from office office kind of a hybrid model but probably a day or two in a week working from home ai is a new world while it open up many new possibilities it is also being rated as possible extreme crisis what in your view on it i think the world transformation has to happen technology has to evolve everyone knew this is coming right the question is what to do now it has already arrived right it is only going to mature over next 5 10 15 20 years and it will have consequences okay what are the consequences the consequences is the process oriented business right call centers support desks right all these spaces will have a major impact because ai really can deliver very cost effective solutions here okay the knowledge industry uh, probably will not be largely impacted they will become consumers but they will also be generators so hence uh, this industry will see a minimal impact uh, uh, on the on the job front or opportunities front for the industry okay the third aspect is uh, social impact i think that's that's where i am more worried because everyone has their own perspectives but i think uh, socially uh, we are going to start generating uh, dumb minds because that's the problem because we don't feel like using the mind anymore now from uh, scraping a letter to 
working through some of my documentation to writing notes to every aspect of it can be very well taken care by the AI platform, right? You go to Microsoft Open 365, uh, they have just launched their AI suite. So whatever you and I am talking on the teams today, all can be converted into minutes of minutes of meeting by the system. You don't need people to take notes. If you don't need people to take notes, what will happen over a period of time is people will not be very attentive. They will not listen to you. They will not interact with you. Right? They will just think that uh, let the machine do everything for me. I think that is where we are going to lose the social uh, uh, strength of the system and uh, the people around you will become uh, literally empty-minded with not having uh, the research-oriented or sharp minds. That is what I am worried is going to be uh, the more complex challenge to work through than uh, job losses. Yeah. So now let, let's kick things off with an exciting rapid fire round. We will be presenting Mr. Mohit Gupta with a series of quick fire questions on various topics and he will have to answer them spontaneously without taking too much time to think. This promises to be a thrilling segment. Please let me know when you are ready. Yeah, please go ahead. Okay, without further delay, let's dive into action and get started. Uh, virtual team or an in-person team? In-person team. Collaborate with local partner or build your own team? Local partners. Learn the local language or really or interpreters? Interpreters. Regular international travel or extended stay in uh, one location? Regular travel. Local acquaintances or family food abroad? Family. Business suits or business casuals? Business casuals. Travelling by air or land? Land. Machines or softwares? Softwares. This was it for the rapid fire. Thank you, sir, for generously sharing the, your incredible journey and valuable insights with us today. Your story of resilience and dedication is genuinely inspiring. We eagerly anticipate witnessing your ongoing success and the undoubtedly positive influence that you have on countless minds. And it has been a delightful experience listening to your valuable insights. And I'm pleased that our conversation was both insightful as well as engaging. I hope that our discussion will prove valuable to our listeners, enabling them to derive essential learnings from it. Once again, thank you for taking out your time to be a part of it. And it was truly an honor to have you as our guest. And it's absolutely our pleasure to host you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Dipanshu. Uh, Lakshita, Anish, it was my pleasure to be part of this amazing talk and I'm always available for this lovely group and the rest whenever needed. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much listeners for tuning up to here and if you find it valuable, do share it with your friends and also with people that you think will be benefited from it. Stay tuned, we will shortly be back with another podcast and with that final thought i'll leave you to ponder with the depths of what we have discussed today